And kids are stuck here with the rest of us adults. Let them have a moment to walk the line. Uh, if you noticed, uh, my daughter was playing violin. They actually uh, mic'd her this time, which that's a step up. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of her for that. Uh, and then Connor, was, he was bummed. He said that he feels like he's been left out. And so next week, he'll be playing the trombone. So I'm excited about that. So we're going to dust that off, right, Connor? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Maybe that's not going to happen. I'm not sure. We'll think about it. All right. Well, there are some things in life that are simply indescribable. Words alone don't do justice to experiencing certain things uh, for yourself. And uh, just to give you a couple examples, I remember looking over the edge of the Grand Canyon for the very first time and trying to comprehend just how grand it actually is. And it's hard to put in words uh, how big and how incredible it is. Or I remember seeing Miriam in her wedding dress uh, the day we got married for the very first time. I know how I felt in that moment, but it's hard to describe to other people my feelings that day. Or the moment my, each of my kids were born, it kinda, I kind of remember this kind of like trance-like experience. I knew my life from that point forward would never be the same, but I was excited about the future. All my senses were alert and I was fully alive, but I could barely speak or put that moment into words. Maybe one of the very few times in my life I can remember being speechless. And last but not least, and definitely not least important, what about those times when your favorite team wins a championship, like the San Francisco Giants did in 2010, and 2012? In 2014, I think I got a picture of Ryan and I up there. That's right. That's the appropriate picture that I was allowed to share. So, um, and then our beloved Braves last year in 2021, world champion, Atlanta Braves. Well, there are some things you need to experience for yourself to understand the significance and the magnitude of the moment. I believe the greatest example of this is when we truly experience a relationship with Jesus for the first time or have a significant faith moment uh, along the journey of our faith. My first experience of Jesus came at uh, camp, Hume Lake Christian Camp in the Sierra Nevadas in uh, California. This is also where eight years later I would meet my wife for the very first time. Raise your hand if you've ever attended a Christian camp. Get it up there, yeah. Just about most of us here, yep. Most of us have experienced camp. And, and, and keep your hand up or raise it again if you are a Camp Rutledge alumni, Peachtree Presbyterian Church, their Camp Rutledge. Get it up there. Ellie, I'm going to reference you later. Yes, yes, couple Rutledge folks, okay. Ryan should have raised his hand, worship leader extraordinaire for many, many years. He was just cheaper than the other worship leaders. But good to have him there. Um, well, for those of you who are not familiar with Rutledge, and I'm not going to labor on it uh, for, uh, for the whole sermon, but uh, it's, it's a camp that uh, Petrie's been sending students to for nearly 80 years. And I went there over a dozen times when I led the student ministries. And, and now my daughter has attended a couple the last two summers, and I know that her experience uh, at camp has strengthened her faith, 
It's given her a hope and a future with Christ in her life and at the center of her life. And Camp Rutledge is definitely one of these types of experience, experiences. Years ago, when I was just uh, trying to describe camp and to recruit a volunteer leader to join us uh, for a week, which entailed taking a week off of work, which is a significant commitment for a young adult, uh, I can tell that she was having a hard time understanding what was so great about a place full of chiggers and ticks and temperatures reaching 95 degrees with 90% humidity, where sleeping in the cabins, the bugs outnumbered you five to one. But after she committed to join us, she was then alarmed when I told her that it would probably be best to pack only clothing she was willing to throw away when the week was over. Well, all I could do was simply tell her that you have to experience it to fully understand how special camp is. Camp Rutledge and any number of camps that maybe you have experienced. But specific to Camp Rutledge, uh, this is a camp that Petrie has been taking their students to since 1943. And I'm estimating here, but I think that that's roughly 5,500 uh, campers, 2,200 uh, college counselors, and over 1,000 adults have encountered God's presence at a rustic camp in the middle of nowhere, built by state prisoners in 1934, because Camp Rutledge sits in the middle of Hard Labor Creek State Park. And Hume Lake and Rutledge are two of the camps that have significantly impacted and shaped my faith, and I'm sure most of you could share similar uh, indescribable faith experiences that you too have had at the camps that you attended. There are so many aspects uh, of camp that I really enjoy, the various ones that I've uh, attended as a, as a camper or those that I've uh, participated and helped leading as a, as a leader. But my favorite part of camp is towards the end of the week uh, when they would have share time, often in a group, fire in the middle, sun is setting, just a very picturesque moment. And this was when the students were given the opportunity to share how they encountered God during their week at camp. To this day, I can still remember the words of three specific students. And I can remember when they stood up and shared their experiences. Their words encapsulated the experience of all the campers that were there with them. And really, I think it, it captures the sentiment of, of campers before and, camp, and campers after. And I would like to just briefly share a couple of these kind of uh, words of affirmation with you. I remember Liz, she stood up and said, God, God is not done with me yet. Profound. God is not done with me yet. Because we are unfinished and God is continuing to write our stories, he wants us to participate in what he is doing in the world. What a great word for a senior in high school to discover at that time as she had so much of her story yet to be written, but she wanted God to be the author of that story. And then later, Ashton, she stood up and she said, this week has been a building block in my faith. One building block in my faith. All of us know that a relationship with Jesus can't be figured out in one week or with one experience. Our faith is built over a lifetime of camp-type experiences, one step and one block at a time. And I'm sure each of us can remember such building block moments in our faith, 
the moments that shaped us and changed us and moved us into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And lastly was Patrick, and, and, I, and he kind of almost shot out of his seat. He, he, just, he couldn't wait just to kind of get this um, out, where he said, what God is doing in my life is indescribable. And even though it was indescribable for Patrick, we all kind of had a scent, sense, and we could all kind of understand what he meant. Because this was a young student uh, who couldn't even put into words his encounter with God, but, but, he, but he knows that it is special and that he has found something missing in his life. And the only way that he could describe it was as indescribable. It is so difficult to put into words what it is like to encounter God in a personal way. But it is powerful when you do, and it changes you from the inside out. And I have to tell you that I never grew tired of hearing these types of stories when I was a youth pastor. Because you see, this is my story too. It was at a camp where I discovered the grace and peace of God for the very first time, where I was encouraged to begin a friendship with Jesus. And this first encounter for me began the building block process of discerning God's desires for my life, discovering how the story of my life fits into the story God is writing in each of our lives. And when I returned home from camp, my youth pastor explained to me that faith is something that grows and is cultivated uh, over a lifetime. Camp may be the place where it begins or it is encouraged to grow, uh, but our faith must be given attention beyond the confines of simply one week away from the distractions and the normalcy of life at home. He told me that I need to begin uh, growing roots to remain strong in my faith. And I was encouraged to begin reading the Bible for the first time. I didn't even have a Bible, uh, but I was encouraged to start reading it, and, and someone got, got me one. And it was awkward and, and extremely hard to understand, but even though most of it at first was confusing, I soon stumbled upon this passage, which I, I'm sure is familiar to most of us. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And let me be honest, I had no idea what was going on in the book of Jeremiah through the first 28 chapters. I figured out that God was a little bit upset or a lot of bit upset with some people, uh, but for the most part, everything I read was confusing, but some reason I was able to keep going until I got to chapter 29, and my, my heart and my life were exposed to these words. Plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope a future. I will listen to you, and I will be found by you. I was beginning to discover that a rooted life in Jesus uh, provides a, a hope and a rooted future. In that moment, I reasoned if these words are true, and if what the camp speaker had told me earlier about Jesus are also true, then I wanted to give my whole life to God, and I wanted a hope and a future rooted in Jesus. 
My guess is that most adults here this morning, it has been a long time since any of you have experienced summer camp with a cabin counselor and recreation, campfire songs, bad food, midnight raiders, and commitment night all wrapped into one week. So let me ask you, because um, we're not going to have very many more camp-like experience, would be my guess. So what does it look like for you to encounter God today in the normalcy of your lives? And do the words in Jeremiah chapter 29, do they still resonate with you when you hear them? Do they impact you in a profound way like they did so many years ago for me? Or have they become a religious platitude, something nice to put on a postcard? Uh, and are they become void of any type of depth and, and, and spiritual transformation? Well, I've thought about the ingredients that make camp-like experiences so powerful for us. And I want to share with you the kind of three elements. And there's many, many more, but preachers have to only use three. So here are my three. And I believe that these could be and should be experienced within the context of everyday life. Uh, the first is this, community. Uh, here's what's profound about camp. Camp creates community. It brings people together. Each of us has been created for relationships, relationships with one another, relationships, a relationship with God. And each of us must find a place to belong with people excited about their spiritual growth, excited about God's kingdom, and excited about Jesus. Because you cannot fully experience God without being in a community with others. And this is why Kairos and so many other churches promote the value of uh, getting involved in a small group or, or, a, or being involved in a Bible study as a way to grow in your faith together with others. This is also why you will be hearing more about us promoting our new community groups that uh, Miriam promoted uh, there at the beginning, these groups that will be beginning this fall. And if you want to know more, there's information in the weekly email that went out this last week that will give you more uh, details if you are interested. And if you want to discover a life rooted in hope, and if you want a future rooted in Christ, then find a group of people who will encourage you in that direction. The second element is this, to engage God's creation and nature. All the camps that I'm familiar with uh, are set in the outdoors. God has revealed himself in his creation. The theological uh, term for this is natural revelation. In Georgia, our state is a beautiful state with, with plenty of beautiful places to discover and enjoy. And scripture tells us that God's very creation sings of his presence. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech, night after night they reveal knowledge. So I encourage you to find a place or several places where you can go and get away and, and into creation to experience the creator so God can reveal his knowledge and his wisdom to you. Be intentional and regular in your time outside. Make it a goal to at least weekly get into nature so that you too can experience God's natural revelation personally. 
And the last element, the last element is this, focus and discipline. The camp experience is often action-packed with many activities. It can be intense, highly structured, and focused. And this creates an environment where our faith can be supercharged and our faith grows tremendously. But what we must find, uh, but what we must find is ways to create and dedicate this type of continued focus and discipline long after the camp experience ends. Using uh, an example from the world of sports, uh, in the article Secrets of Greatness uh, in Fortune magazine said this about Tiger Woods. He has never stopped trying to improve, devoting many hours a day to conditioning and practice, even remaking his swing twice because that's what it took to get even better. And we continue to see this type of focus and discipline from Tiger uh, after his horrible injury, leg injury, I think it was a year or so ago. So let me ask, how is your focus and your discipline when it comes to your faith and relationship with Jesus? How could you, this week possibly, increase your spiritual focus, increase your spiritual discipline? Because if you desire a rooted hope and a rooted future, as Jeremiah tells us, is available to each of us, you're probably going to have to create these types of moments and this type of uh, intentional focus and discipline if you want to grow, if you want your life to be transformed. And so if you desire to see your faith grow and mature, you must continue to practice those things that make experiences at camp, camp so significant and profound for you. Experiences like communal worship, the study of scripture, prayer and confession and solitude and contemplation. These practices are not just for camp or for every day. Just as Tiger's intense devotion to golf led him to practice daily, so too must we have a daily devotion to our spiritual lives. Because spiritual maturity, you know, does not come with microwave instructions, but rather it's kind of a slow cook process. We got to be committed to it, focus and discipline upon it. And so let me close with uh, a story about my grandpa. He enjoyed gardening and would grow tomatoes and herbs, squash, watermelons, a bunch of different things. And during my visits with him, he would allow me to help him in the garden. And my favorite job, and I may have told this story before, is he'd give me an old Folgers can and I'd go and collect the snails. And at the end, then we'd pour salt on them. Does anybody see what happens to snails when you pour salt on them? That is so wonderful. We should do that after service today. It's incredible. Well, as I garden alongside Grandpa, I learned what is needed uh, to grow healthy fruits and vegetables. Quality soil, clean water, and abundant sunlight. When these three uh, elements are plentiful, then the DNA inside the tiny seeds take over and grows into what it was always intended to become. And we are no different than little seeds that need to mature. mature. The DNA to grow into mature followers of Christ resides inside each of us. We must expose ourselves to the elements needed to grow into who God intended us to become. The psalmist puts it like this, they are like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So as we grow, we will discover and experience a rooted hope 
and a rooted future. And that's my hope for myself, my family, and for each of you. May we discover that together in community. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these transforming words from Jeremiah. And though I'm still a little fuzzy on the details leading up to that verse, Lord, it's had a tremendous impact on my life. And Lord, uh, thank you. Um, thank you that as we honestly try to seek after you, that you ultimately allow yourself to be found. And so, Lord, we claim that we desire to live a rooted life, a rooted life uh, in hope and a rooted life uh, and a rooted future. And so, Lord, would you go before us and would we dare to follow? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.